0: TradesWork. The Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVille. Welcome to Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast. We showcase the skilled trades our society depends on, the women and men. In our industry, building our skylines, building our communities, and building our future. Our show starts now. One of the biggest issues facing the industry is the housing market. It's an indicator of our economy and provides us with insight into the work ahead for the industry, not just in the residential space, but commercial and industrial and institutional as well. Just a few months ago, the housing market was on fire. People were paying well over listing price, and inventory was at a record low. Where are we today and what does that mean for our economy? What does it mean for the affordable housing space? What are the public policy challenges facing housing? Here today, help us understand all this is Liz Peets. Liz Peets is Vice President of Government Affairs for the Colorado Association of Realtors, a good colleague and a great friend. Liz directs the public policy efforts of the Colorado Association of Realtors and manages many functions of the Government Affairs Division, but she specializes in policy development, advocacy, and legislative affairs. Liz is also a licensed attorney in Colorado, Nebraska, and Washington, D.C. Liz is an expert on all things housing and real estate. We'd like to welcome Liz to the show, so let's jump in. Good morning.
1: Morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Glad to have you here, Liz. Uh, I've worked side by side with you for many years and watched how you engage on behalf of your members in the public policy space. And uh, you're definitely one of the leaders or standouts here in the region for sure. So uh, for our listeners, um, maybe you're not familiar with who the Colorado Association of Realtors is. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your members, your mission and the work that you all do?
1: Thanks, Dave. So the Colorado Association of Realtors is 30,000 members across our state. We have 30 local boards ranging from size of 7,000 to smaller boards of 40. So we represent uh, east, west, north and south, commercial real estate, uh, residential real estate and everything in between. And then, as you can imagine, a focus most recently for us has been a lot on affordable housing and building. And we also have a really interesting program called Colorado Project Wildfire, where we educate homeowners about how to mitigate against the uh, dangers of wildfires so we get to a lot of areas because as you'd be surprised housing affects so many different aspects of our economy.
0: That's great I, I had uh, been watching you last session to engage in some of the discussions on wildfire and wildfire mitigation and I know how important of a topic that is especially for our listeners up in the mountain communities and those in heavily uh, kind of wooded areas so thanks for your work there. So tell us, what, what is your outlook for the housing market here in Colorado? What What do you see happen in the next you know, year, next two years? Uh, give us some insights.
1: Well, since we're on the eve of elections, it's kind of like making election predictions when you're thinking about the housing market. At the beginning of the year, we were seeing these crazy price escalations, and now we're seeing a slowing with the interest rates. We have this saying in real estate that all real estate is local, and that's really true here in Colorado because it kind of depends on where you sit, if you're in the metro area or you're in the the western slope. We think it'll still be a competitive housing market, but it is continuing to be challenging on prices and affordability, and that's probably not going away, but as we'll probably get into in, in a few minutes here, the market is changing and changing quickly.
0: Yeah, talk to us a little bit about uh, interest rates and kind of the correlation you're seeing to, you know, uh, sales, uh, you know, new new developments and things like that.
1: So the interest rate change and the change we anticipate continuing to come as the Fed continues to act to slow inflation is really having a strong impact on first-time buyers but also general buying. When we were in the post-pandemic phase where everyone wanted a bigger house or another room to do their remote work or school, we're seeing folks slow because their purchasing power is so much less. We're now up to at least 6.7 in interest rates. That's even in like looking at the Colorado Springs market, that's 55% higher than a year ago. So it is a huge headwind And it is meaning that housing or uh, sales, listing sales are staying on market longer and the prices have to be more accurate to move. There's still a sense of like, hey, if it's that perfect property, it's still gonna move, but buyers have more time to make a decision and sellers really have to price their properties right to get them sold.
0: Talk to us a little bit about first-time home buyers. You mentioned it a little bit in the interest rate context. But tell us, you know, kind of what, 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 how, how are they faring in this market and, you know, what uh, you know, because a lot of the trades folks, you know, come into that entry level uh housing market stock uh and try, you know, kind of to buy and establish family and roots. And so talk to them about like what what do you think you're seeing or what is this the rest of uh you know 2022 and the first couple quarters of twenty three look like for them?
1: So it's a really interesting market right now because with the affordable housing push we've had in our state, we are seeing more folks want to build and the building trades still have a lot of the same headwinds in terms of the supply chain and the labor. So we're building more and there's more inventory than there was because there's less fury in the market. But it's still a drop in the bucket in terms of matching the demands. For first-time homebuyers, the single-family median price in Denver is still $630,000. That's not affordable for anyone uh, making a middle-to-low-income salary. We're still seeing folks relocating to our market with high salaries that have more ability to buy than the folks who grew up here or who don't have a high-income salary and when we look at that extrapolated out to different areas, the front range continues to be a high, a heavy price increase. Summit County, though, is one of those highest um, prices in the state where they had properties going as high as $2 million. Now, they've got a lot more inventory because their local government has invested in new uh, housing units. But when we're talking about the civil servants, uh, the firefighters, and all those folks that power our communities, they can't afford to live in their communities, and they're driving to qualify, which is something we've talked about for a long time. But now we're talking about driving more than 10 minutes, we're talking about driving an hour to be able to afford something in your jurisdiction. And in our mountain resort areas, we still see a lot of pressure to sort of match the regulations and the actual housing we're building and a little bit of we're still reacting to those investors buying up properties in the resort communities Mm. so it is a big problem for first-time buyers because they're going to be at a disadvantage for a, a while. It's not going away.
0: You know, this kind of may be an unfair question, but like, so how, how is the Colorado Association of Realtors kind of uh, working on that, or what? What are some of the programs that you all are working to create for those first-time home buyers, or or partnering with uh, first-time home buyers on?
1: Well, I'm glad that you asked that, Dave. Um, this isn't directly something that CAR is doing, but I know some of the financing and banking industries are doing. They are offering abilities for you to get a mortgage and buying down the rate or uh, allowing lower down payment funding to get into a home. That's one tiny angle of it. But I think the real transformational change comes with us thinking about matching what we're building to the needs in our community. Are we building entry-level housing products, condos, townhomes, small square footage, single-family homes? That is the biggest amount of product that was gobbled up during the pandemic. And so as we continue to look at the capital and how we spend our affordable housing dollars, we need to make sure the entire continuum is supported if we're spending solely on the unhoused or rental side of the equation, we are not putting enough in a single family bucket because we need affordable housing, but we also need wealth generation. People need to be able to, if they're a senior, downsize and open up that product. Because right now we're seeing seniors compete with our young professionals for that very few amount of properties. So one of the things we're trying to do is incentivize local governments to work together on a regional uh, capacity so that they can bring product to market and take advantage of the state housing dollars that we have through ARPA or if Prop 123 passes, those state grants that will be available to them to keep investing in their local communities.
0: Well, it sounds like you guys uh, and have really kind of taken this head on, so thank you for doing that. Thanks for your leadership. So you mentioned affordable housing, and I've heard it described in some circles as attainable housing. You know, there's been a lot of news about those two topics. You mentioned Proposition 123 a little bit here, Um, but how does affordable slash attainable housing work or fit into the housing market today? And you touched on this a little bit with uh, financing mechanisms and, you know, injection of uh, of funding. Is there, is there anything else that our listeners need to understand about affordable and attainable housing and what we should be watching?
1: I think when someone throws out the word affordable housing, it means different things to different people. Technically, there is a federal definition under the Department of Housing and Urban Development. But I believe more and more we're talking about workforce housing. If we can't recruit employers to come to our state and take advantage of our highly educated workforce, we need to be thinking more about what can we do from the economic development and employment side. One of the things we do for education is 529 education accounts. Well, one of the things we're doing a lot of research around is what if we were to do 529 or 401k benefits to help folks afford to buy a home so that your employer can be part of the conversation and helping you get to a place where you can buy. We don't want our companies to leave our state, but we also want to keep our really talented workforce here and allow our kids to move out of their parents' basement and have their own upward mobility. And right now, that's really in jeopardy if we don't make an investment there.
0: I have a whole lot of nieces and nephews that are in the twenty-one and over or twenty-two and over uh, category. That you know, uh, trying to buy a first-time starter home seems just out outside their reach and and really a tough hill. So um, there's definitely more conversation to be had there, and we'll touch on that in just a minute. Um, so with you know, so many industries looking down the barrel of, you know, a recession or a tougher economy. Tell us a little bit about how the housing market uh, serves as an indicator for the broader economy and what you're all seeing in the way of, you know, permits, numbers, and, you know, kind of what that development activity looks like from the home building perspective.
1: Yeah, that's a great um, indicator. Uh, When we were looking at the Economy and the real estate sector during the pandemic, we know that it's at least a billion dollars in impact. And that is when you think about it, not just the buying and selling of homes, the buying and selling of commercial property. It's also if you're staying in your home, remodeling it. Think about all those trips to Home Depot to make your home seasonal or to make your home fit the needs of your location and your family needs. So when we think about the housing market being quiet, it may not be because we're not selling lots of real estate. It may be because people are investing and staying where they are because they can't afford to move. One of the things that interest rates does as a headwind is it makes people less excited about moving to another home, even if they want to upsize or downsize, because that interest rate really does impact the rest of your budget. One of the things we're always talking about, too, is housing is one piece of your budget. But if we're thinking about the regulatory impacts of housing and worrying about that going up, we also need to be thinking about the rest of your your budget as a family, are we building childcare near your housing near your healthcare near open space we need to be building these livable vibrant communities if we want to reduce the stress on our commutes because we have to live further away so it does become sort of a microcosm of what's going on in the larger economy but i know i'd love to talk more about uh what we're doing related to the housing market and how we can do what we can here in Colorado to make it easier to bring affordable housing to market.
0: Well, why don't we talk about that cuz I think that's going to lead into my kind of last topic I was going to talk to you about which happens to be with public policy challenges. We know on this falls ballot uh probably in 8 days we'll learn the outcome of proposition 123, which is an injection of uh, grant dollars, uh, to be able to build more affordable slash attainable housing and to shorten the window or incentivize the shortening of the window from the entitlement process. Um, so we know that's a conversation at play, but from your chair, what are you seeing about, you know, some of the bigger public policy challenges for the housing market and for, you know, Colorado families looking to buy their dream home?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest headwinds we're seeing is the cost of regulatory compliance. The permit cycle is getting so long. And I I think if uh, the last I heard from my Denver uh, colleagues, it was close to two years to get a permit approved. And this is also before we implement the green energy codes the public policy that's coming around fire resiliency codes. And all of that is so important that we build resilient uh, climate proof buildings in the future. But it does have two impacts that we really have to understand. The impact to the buyer or the consumer in terms of how much it costs, because those costs do get passed down to consumers. And we need to be flexible in giving them options and ways to comply over time. But also, when we think about stacked regulatory cycles, if you have to comply with five different policy element requirements or mandates, they may all have a really good reason for going into existence, but they're stacked regulation and they're not all going to be taken at the same point in time in the permitting cycle. So that just lengthens the time frame to get anything built or remodeled. And we really need to do a better job of not putting our regulatory issue in an echo chamber because they all do have effects on each other and they build and it can really stress all the folks that are trying to purchase property in that ability to comply. The inspections, the permit approval, the appraisal, all that takes time and money. And we need to do a better job of making sure our regulatory process is narrower in terms of time frame
0: Uh, We're getting towards the end of our show. Is there something that uh, you'd like to share with our listeners that I haven't covered or some things that you would like to draw to their attention?
1: Um, I think I want to end on a high note because I know our state is really doing a lot to try to make a difference. If you are not talking to your local government uh, permitting officials, you should, because there's a lot of state money out there in either the grants that we passed in 2021, the 2022 grants, and potentially what might happen after Prop 123, that money will be gone in 24 or 26. So I highly encourage you to get those products and uh, projects developed in your neighborhood. And if you can do anything, go out and support a good project in your neighborhood. That is really the best way that we can, like, keep making Colorado the place we want to live. But take advantage of those dollars out there. They won't be there forever.
0: Well, Liz, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for all the work that you do, and appreciate your insights today. Listeners, thank you very much for joining us today. Stay tuned for more industry insights, news, and information about the women and men building our skylines, building our communities, and building our future. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.